0: Would you turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 6? Hebrews chapter 6 is where we'll be spending our time in our study this morning. I would like to begin by telling a true story about an individual who had folks on either side of him that brought quite a colorful experience to his very first plane ride, this is a gentleman, a follower of Jesus Christ, and years ago, he went on his first plane ride. And to his left, on the aisle, was a businessman that obviously had done this several times before. The businessman didn't look concerned. He looked like he was just um, as comfortable as if, he, as if he were at home. On the other side was an older lady, and this was her very first time flying as well. And as she went to uh, get into the seat, she was scared to death. She would go and she would grab a hold of the armrest when that plane would take off. They had such different experiences. He can remember when the plane, I think, it's my mic cutting out a little bit? Can you tell out there? All right. I'm going to switch over to this handheld. And I won't be able to talk with my hands. All right. All right, so when we have this individual sitting in the middle row, or the middle seat in the row, he's got a businessman on his left, he's got a new flyer on the right. As the plane took off, we find that the businessman opened his paper, was very relaxed, and went through things just as normal as could be. The lady on the other side, she went and grabbed a hold of the armrest. And she just about began to reach for the barf bag because of how scared she was for this plane to take off. Of course, this gentleman in the middle, he's trying to figure out how am I going to respond. What am I going to do? Am I going to look cool and calm like this guy or scared like this girl over here? And so we find him observing these two throughout the flight. When the meal comes, we find that they bring the food for all three of them. They all three get a tray of food And as it is given to them, the businessman very comfortably goes and puts his things out gently and eats the meal that is placed before him, what he wanted. The lady on the other side, she could not even think about putting anything extra in her stomach just in case she had some air sickness. And all the while, this gentleman in the middle is trying to figure out, what am I going to act like, this one or this one? I want to fast forward to the end of the flight because just to tell you how the story ended, all three of them landed safely. All three of them walked off that plane. They all got to their destination. What was the difference? The difference was what their experience was along the journey. We're going to look in Hebrews chapter 6 today. And we are going to find multiple areas where God gives us a confidence for our walk in this world. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, He does not want you scared to death on your walk in this world. He doesn't want you nervous of what might be coming next. He doesn't want you worried all the time and making others around you worried because they see you worried. Instead, the writer of Hebrews is going to give us some wonderful, very practical ways that give us an assurance that we are the children of God. Now, when we look at these verses, it's going to be very clear that there is something that's a challenge for us to do, but also very much we are going to see how God himself is the one who is so important in this role. So let's go ahead and turn there to Hebrews 6. What we're going to see in God's word today is that God's plan when he saves someone is for them to have confidence. Comfort and peace and joy is how God wants us to hold on to our faith. All right, now before we jump in and look at the the main part of our text, I need to preface this by saying this is not a passage that tells us how to get saved. So if you're here today, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the things that we're about to say aren't the gospel telling you how to get saved, but instead they are some tests that you can use that gives you an assurance that you're saved. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that anyone may boast. So the way you get saved is you realize that you are a sinner. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and you ask him for forgiveness and to make you his son or his daughter. And the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you've never done that, I would invite you this day. Make today the day of your salvation. But we're talking today about assurance. For individuals that knew Jesus Christ... And the writer of Hebrews isn't necessarily talking to the biggest and strongest and most mature Christians. That's not what's going on necessarily. In fact, in in another place in Hebrews, he says, you guys ought to be by now teaching people, and yet you still need the milk of the word yourself. Kind of a little bit of a shame on you for not being more mature. But this assurance is something that everyone needs. No matter what your level of maturity is as a follower of Jesus Christ, we need this assurance that we see today. It is God who justifies, but the writer here gives us some encouragements along the way. The first one that we see here is that we can have confidence because God does not forget about us, and more specifically doesn't forget about the good that we do for him. I wanted to start out by prefacing and saying this is not the gospel. So what I'm about to say doesn't mean if you do this, you get saved. But when we look at our relationship with God, it's very clear that he looks at what we are doing, and that can be an assurance to us in our salvation. I get discouraged with how much I forget these days. Does anybody else get discouraged with how much you forget these days? Around the church here in the last two weeks, there are several witnesses that observed me walking around trying to find my keys. I could not find my keys. I did find them eventually, but it took me much longer than I wanted it to. The things that we forget can be embarrassing. And here we're going to see that our God, he never forgets. He never forgets anything. Let's start in verses 10 through 12 of Hebrews 6. Several key words stand out there. We can find the words, your work. We find the word earnestness that is there. And even the word imitators. And so what we are seeing here is that our confidence in our salvation should grow when we pursue the life that God wants us to live. Now, it is no works that we do that save us. But there is no doubt that when you are looking at your own life, it can be an evidence that you have been changed, you have been redeemed when you see that your life is different, and specifically how you're serving the Lord. I know for me personally, this is very close to home. My testimony um, that I will share with people, we had uh, one of our friends around here ask me a few years ago, when did you get saved? And I said, well, I'm not sure, which made him nervous right off the bat. But well, the reason that I say that, I, I, I know I'm, I know I'm saved today, so don't get too nervous about that. The reason that I say that is because I made a decision when I was a very young boy, but then when I was 12 years old, and then again when I was 17 years old, I had a very serious meeting with my God. And when I had those conversations with God, one was at a Bible camp, and one was just by myself in my bedroom as a teenager. I can remember a prayer that I prayed, and both times it started with the word if. God, if I am not saved, would you please save me? Both times I said that. So I'm kind of leaving some room there that maybe I was saved as a young boy when I was first presented with the gospel in the back of the church on a Sunday night, but I wasn't sure. What was it, you think, That was causing doubt. Why do you think, when I was at that Bible camp, and then when the Lord was doing a work in my heart, why do you think that I was struggling so much, even to think that I was really genuinely a follower of Jesus Christ, that I was saved? It's because I looked at my life. I looked at my life, and when I compared it to how God tells me to live, the two did not match up. And so very clearly here, the writer of Hebrews tells us, God is not so unjust as to overlook your work of loves. And he wants you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance. That tells me there are different levels of assurance that someone can have. And your confidence with your salvation will grow as you pursue the life that God has called you to live. And God's memory does not fail. So all the good things that you have done after following Jesus Christ, maybe you forgot about them. But God has not forgotten about a one. How beautiful that he knows everything that you have done, and he says this is going to be helpful for you in your walk. Now, I know that that first point is, it's it's a week as far as the content, because some of you might be thinking, thinking of your life right now, and thinking, how do my works measure up? Some of you are hard on yourselves. Some of you look at what you're supposed to be and you say, I fall short. Well, there's no doubt that we can observe our works, but there's something stronger. What is stronger than us feeling like we are good enough? Well, that takes us to the next promise that we find here. And that is, I can have confidence because God's promises are trustworthy. We have the most confidence, not based on our feelings or our works, but because of the promises of God himself. Man has become the master at finding things that makes him feel a little bit better. What can I do that's going to bring me some encouragement? What can I have that's going to bring consolation? Many individuals will turn to a relationship. If I can just get the right relationship, the right friend, or the right spouse, that's gonna, what I'm going to need for encouragement in my life. Some individuals will turn to their career, constantly climbing the ladder, thinking that's going to give them encouragement. Some will turn to a bottle to help them forget about where they think they fall short. Or forget about their troubles I've even seen driving down the road right on the front of one of these restaurants they offered that they sell comfort food can you believe that comfort food some of you said amen to that comfort food we are masters at trying to find things to make us get along a little bit easier in this world and the writer of Hebrews is going to take us to something that cannot be taken away and he's going to give a very very vivid picture of a conversation that goes on between God and Abraham. And he's going to mention a specific promise that God gives. I want for us to look at that next in our text. The extraordinary links that God goes to give us confidence start in verse number 13. Look at it with me. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear... He guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, he who have fled for refuge or we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. If you're like me, you're going to read these verses and right off the bat think, well, If God says something, that's really good enough for me. God doesn't need to make me a promise and then do something else to really prove that promise. And yet, that's exactly what we find here. We find that God, verse 18 says, God cannot lie. And yet, he does something with Abraham just for the sake, not for God's sake, but for Abraham's sake. He goes and he does something more Even though he didn't need to, he just wanted to give the reassurance to Abraham. We're all familiar with what it is to take an oath. Some individuals, when they're being sworn into office, will put their hand on a Bible, and they will take an oath. Some of you have been in a court before, and you've testified that you would speak the truth. Speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me, what? God. So there is a picture that is going on when an oath is taken. Man for years has had the way of working that if there's a dispute between two people, they would figure out a way to where there was a consequence if one of them didn't tell the truth. And so they brought, or or man for thousands of years now has been swearing an oath. That's what it says here. Man will swear an oath. And in essence, what it is saying is, man says, if what I'm about to say is not the truth, may the judgment of God fall down upon me. This is as if I was standing before God himself, and if I lie, may his wrath be poured out on me. But we don't find man taking an oath here. Who's taking the oath? It's, it's God. There is one promise to Abraham that through his seed, the whole earth would be blessed, a specific promise. And God, since he could not swear by anything greater, because there is nothing greater than God, he swears by his own name. In essence, God is saying, if what I am promising does not come to be, May my own wrath fall down on me. Some would hear that and say, that is ridiculous. Others of us hear that. And we understand very much so that there's a vivid picture of the wrath of God falling down upon God himself. And it happened at the cross. God the Father turned his face away when the Son was bearing the punishment for the sins of the world. The wrath of God on God himself. We celebrate this as an assurance because God not only made Abraham a promise, but he made you and I a promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I hope that that's you today. We look back often at the cross, and we should. We are encouraged by the work of the cross. But next, the writer is going to take us to a different place. He's going to take us to a place in the future. He's going to take us to the work of Jesus Christ, not on the cross, but instead in heaven. Would you look with me at verses 19 and 20? We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The final encouragement that we can walk away with today is that we can have confidence because Jesus has led the way to glory for us. If you're familiar with the Gospels, you know that Jesus Christ told his followers, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going somewhere else. And if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back. I'm going to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be. We are encouraged with these words because Jesus Christ was the forerunner. There are people all around us that need to have confidence when it comes to the fear of death. Some of you have probably been in the room when someone was likely heading towards death or someone they loved was heading towards death and they were consumed with fear. So many are afraid of what the world calls the grim reaper and yet you and I do not have to be afraid of death we can have confidence even when facing this. And what we find the writer giving here is heaven talk. This is heaven talk. When we look at this idea of what's going on, it is a picture of Jesus Christ and he's going behind the curtain. And it describes Christ as the forerunner. Do not be afraid of the dark shadow of death. I I see individuals that look at, Christians, and so many Christians just have an unbelievable amount of confidence when approaching death. How how is that? How is it that believers can be so confident? At my grandma's funeral years ago, there was more laughing going on than anything else in the funeral home at the visitation. Why is that? You see, so many individuals... Will not understand the confidence that you have because you haven't been there. But we understand that we know someone who has been there. If you know Jesus Christ today, you know someone who has gone ahead of you and he is leading the way to glory, preparing a place. If Jesus Christ is the forerunner, that means there have to be some after runners let me finish our story about the airplane ride you got one guy in the middle you got a lady on the left that's scared to death you got a guy on the right that's really relaxed they all got to the same destination they all got on the plane i would like to relate faith to getting on the plane but how many of us have a different experience than the person sitting next to us How many people are consumed with fear? Consumed with worry? We do not have to be afraid. We can have, as the writer of Hebrews says, full assurance. We can hold on to that faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And we can sing watching and waiting and looking above, filled with his goodness and lost in his love. I hope that today you can say, this is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. When I look at these assurances, what it tells me I can do with a passage like this is I can walk with boldness. You and I, when we know Jesus Christ, we can walk forward with boldness, not being timid doing our very, very best, and then trusting God to do His part. What can you do? You can grow in boldness as you grow in your faith. And so how are you doing? How about today? Is your journey one that is filled with fear? Or are you one that knows the promises of God and that He cannot lie? Are you one that's able to look back at your track record and say, these things are for the glory of God because he changed my life? And then continue on in earnestness. And are you one who loves looking forward to heaven? Is anybody here looking forward to heaven today? Would anybody here be disappointed if the Lord came back even before we finish our time here in this room? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that would be disappointment. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And I would invite you to make today the day of your salvation if you've never asked him for forgiveness. And if you have done that, understand what we have. There was a picture that is there. There's a picture in verse 19 of an anchor. I love when we look at anchors. Because there, some of them are big. When you get on a big ship, you'll see a huge anchor, a huge chain. But the truth about an anchor is, the anchor is not doing its job when you can see it. When is the anchor doing its job? The anchor is doing its job when it is well out of sight. Jesus Christ left this world, and we cannot see Him physically with our eyes. But we are tethered to Jesus Christ. We have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. You are tethered to a God who cannot lie, a God who sent his son for you, and a God who gives you purpose in this world. And so, brothers and sisters, walk with confidence. Move forward. He has you here for a reason. And the reason that you and I can hold our head high and walk forward is because God holds us fast in his hand. I would encourage you to walk with boldness today and to know the God who holds us in his hand. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, when we come to you, it's with humility, understanding that we are not worthy. I thank you, Lord, that you looked upon us and did not save us because we were worthy, but you saved us because you are love. I thank you for paying the price with the blood of your Son. I thank you for Jesus Christ's willingness. Oh, that vivid picture of when he was going to the cross, and he said, Father, can you remove this cup from me? Because he knew the weight of what he was about to do to take on the sins of the world on his shoulders. And he finished by saying, not my will but thine be done. We thank you for how loved we are by the Father today. We praise you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that when Jesus Christ left, he told his followers, I'm going to go, prepare a place for you. Something better than me is going to come. We are blessed to have the ministry of the Holy Spirit on this day. And I would pray, even during this moment, the Holy Spirit will be working in hearts, convicting, allowing us to have the assurance of salvation, but also allowing us to walk in boldness so that we make a difference in this world that lasts for eternity. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, while the piano plays through, I want to give you a chance to pray today. It could be that God has laid something on your heart that you'd like to pray to him about take time even in this moment and do that. If it's the case that you've never asked God for forgiveness, accepted Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you're a sinner, and He paid for your sins with His own blood. And the Bible says if you will call upon Him and ask for forgiveness, He will save you. You can take time right now to do that.